Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. So, that's a good word. Still working through the book letter of James. So that's a good word. And something that I hear Sam Isaac say a lot is the phrase, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. When you talk to Sam, he'll say, you know, we, we, we talked on that for a while. We really did a deep dive on that. And James today does a deep dive on the tongue. And that's why the title of the message is, that is a good word about the tongue. He goes in on it. There, like I said, this deep dive. And the, the chapter starts with a warning. We're going to go from verses 1 to 12. Carla read that for us. And it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, brothers and sisters. There you see that family language again. Keep trying to tell us that James has a lot of love for the people that he's writing to. Everything that he says come from, comes from a heart of concern and care. He wants the best for them. So he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Here's the first reason. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Reason number one, don't, don't rush into this because preachers and teachers are held to a higher standard by God and the culture, people, they expect preachers and teachers to practice what we preach. And so what James is saying here is that this higher standard does not mean we're expected to live perfectly, but we're expected to do things consistently. And he's saying it's not wrong to want to preach and teach, right? If, if you have that desire, there's nothing wrong with that. He's just saying you need to make sure you know what you're getting into before you jump into it. So he says, for you know we'll be judged with greater strictness. Then the next one, for we all stumble, this is verse two, in many ways. So he says, everyone sins. Generally, that's what the stumbling is about. He says, we all sin, but then he gets more specific. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. This word perfect could be translated mature, it could be translated complete, it could be translated whole. And so what James is saying is that if you never stumble in what you say, you've reached full maturity, you've arrived. That's what he's saying, you're perfect. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was just kind of playing around with Kim, talking to her, joking with her, sometimes we sort of do that when we're, you know, in, in the kitchen. And I was like, girl, you are like fine wine. You just get older with age. And she's like, don't you mean better? I was like, oh, yeah. Then a couple, couple weeks later, 
I was looking at her, I was like, ooh, Kimmy, mm, you are so pretty sometimes. And she's like, what do you mean sometimes? Is, I'm not pretty all the time. I was like, oh, you know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to show you is that it's really hard to not mess up when we speak. And so James says here to people who desire to teach, he's saying, don't rush into wanting to preach and teach because your tongue is your primary tool. And here's what I want to show us today about the tongue. Here's the big thing I want us to take away. The tongue is a small thing, but it can do big things. That's, that's what I want us to in our minds to hold on to, that the tongue is a small thing, let me say it again, but it can do big things. And my aim today in the message is to show us what the tongue is like, so I want us to see what it's like. I want us to see what the tongue can do, and then I want to show us how to be wise and careful with our tongue. So what it's like, what it can do, and how we can be wise and careful with it. Verse 3 says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large are driven by strong and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. What James does with these analogies is he's showing us and telling us that the tongue is small, but it's powerful. It's small, but it's powerful. He says the, the tongue is like a bit, it's like a rudder, it's like a of fire among trees. And what he's trying to show you here is that you see a small thing affecting a big thing. Small thing affecting a big thing. And the way the bit directs the horse, the way the rudder directs the ship, the tongue directs life, human life. See, the things we say can take our life in a terrible direction or it can take our life in a great direction. What we say can mess things up or it can make things really beautiful. Great direction or a terrible direction. I want to show the unbeliever this. Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we, you, will be saved. Do you see that? What you say can take your life in a great direction on the road to salvation. Small thing doing a big thing. See, what James is trying to show us is that the tongue possesses power that is out of proportion to its size. Let me say it again. The tongue possesses power that is out of proportion to its size. It is a small thing that can do 
big things. And the things we say can affect our life and affect the life of others for years. Again, why we need to be careful with it. Psalm 141. The psalmist says, set a guard, O Lord. Over the mouth of my mouth, over my mouth. The, the psalmist knows we need help when it comes to the tongue. Keep watch over the door of my lips. This cry, this prayer, this should be a regular part of our prayer life when we think about our tongue because it's powerful. And so the psalmist knows we need help. And so the psalmist shows us how we should pray and ask God for help. In verse 5, James says the tongue is a small fire. And that word fire just keeps coming up. Fire, fire. That's what he calls the tongue. And he does that because the tongue is small, but it's destructive. Small, but destructive. Look at verse 6. And he says, and the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. When he says that the, the, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness, what he's saying is that the tongue actually exposes, when we open our mouth, the tongue exposes the way the world is actually influencing us and affecting us. A world of unrighteousness, he calls it. The, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body so it affects us and setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. There he tells us, he says the tongue is set on fire by hell. What he's doing is he's telling us where the tongue's destructive power comes from. It comes from Satan, from hell. Satan is the one who gives the tongue its destructive power. And he does it because he's a destroyer. That's what he is. Again, think back to Genesis chapter 3. He strolls into the garden, and what does, he do? what does he do? He uses his evil, wicked tongue to destroy. To destroy the relationship between God and man. To destroy the relationship between people. When you read that chapter, right, as soon as that happens, what happens? Adam and Eve start to have strife. Conflict. And we've been living with the consequences ever since that day. He is a destroyer. But here's the thing. He's a destroyer, but he will be destroyed. Satan is a destroyer, but it's promised that he will be destroyed. Romans 16. You guys are on it back there. Verse 20. says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He is a destroyer, but when Jesus comes, he has no chance. When Jesus comes, the, the conflict and strife will be gone. All these things about what we should say, what we can't say, when we should say it, all those things will be over. There will be peace. And that's why later in chapter 5, James says in verse 7, be patient until the coming of the Lord. There's this guarantee, there's this promise that Jesus will return. And on Easter, Lord willing, we're gonna look deeply at that passage and what that means. But when he comes, Satan 
will be destroyed. Now, the tongue is destructive for two reasons. James gives this to us. The first one is because we can't tame it. We can't tame it. Verse 7 says, For every beast and bird of reptile and sea creatures can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You look close there, it says, it, again, that we're, the tongue is being described for us as a restless evil. One translation says the tongue is always liable to break out. Our tongue is like a caged animal looking to escape. Always liable to break out. It's hard to tame. The other thing is we use it inconsistently. We use the tongue inconsistently. Verse 9 says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. James says that one minute hands are raised, singing praises to God, talking about how good God is, talking about how much we love God, blessing him. Maybe we're, we're there on our knees in prayer, thanking him for all the things that he does for us every day and just explaining all the ways that we are grateful and full of gratitude for who God is, praising God, blessing God, lifting our voices. And then he says, in the next minute, you're cussing somebody out. That's, there's this inconsistent, we use it in an inconsistent way. And notice, we're not just cussing anybody out. Notice what he says. He says, he says, with it we bless our Lord and Father. So again, here we get this idea that God is a father to us, that he's Lord over us. So he's my, he's my Lord and my Father. So there's this way I'm supposed to relate to God. I should have awe and respect for him because he is Lord. But I can go close to him because he is father who loves me and cares for me. So with it, we bless our Lord and father. But with it, we curse people, watch this, who are made in the likeness of God. People who are image bearers, made in the likeness of God. With this verse, what, what James does is he's reminding us that we are here because of God. And then he reminds us that we are valuable because we are made by God. And one of the things I've seen in my own life is that when I forget that about people, you know, we forget this, that people are made in the image and likeness of God. We forget this the way we forget people's names. When we forget this, it becomes very easy to treat people in some terrible ways. Real easy. But he says we are made in the image of God. It speaks to the value and worth, dignity of all people. Not some people, but all people. The tongue is inconsistent. 
That's why in verse 8, if you go back, he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. So again, James tells us the tongue is a fire. And he, he goes on and then he says it's, it's deadly, that it has poison. What, again, James is trying to paint this very, very clear picture that the tongue is destructive. The, the tongue, think about it. I hate snakes. Anybody hate snakes? Just me up here? I hate snakes. I think they're disgusting. And my boys sometimes will just like come into a room and just like, because they like animals and they've got one of these books and they'll just open up like, ah, and it's like, I'm, ah, I just jump back all the time. It's just, no matter, every time I see it, it's disgusting. And this week I was trying to try to think through like, what is, when he says deadly poison, what snake comes to your mind? And so I Googled like King Cobra and again, I almost jumped back. Like it's just, it's disgusting. When you see the, anyway, I'm going too much on that. But what he's trying to say is that the tongue is like a bite from a king cobra. It does harm. It's, dis, it's destructive. It's full of deadly poisons. You, we got to think about this. The wrong word at the wrong moment can discourage and break someone's spirit. I want us to think and be careful with our words because at the wrong moment, you can discourage people. The wrong word at the wrong moment can destroy a church. The wrong word at the wrong moment can dissolve relationships. I've seen friends and people even in my family who don't talk to each other anymore and it's just that the wrong thing was said at the wrong time at that barbecue. And now you're trying to work to sort of bring people back together. It does harm. It's destructive. And he wants the inconsistency to go away. Verse 9 says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Watch verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Watch this. My brothers. There's that family language again. Again, it's so good for us when we're reading our Bibles. I'm always trying to teach us to just pay attention to what is being said. James loves these people. My brothers and my sisters. He wants them to live differently. He wants them to be different. He says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening? This is verse 11. Fresh and salt water. The, the answer is no. It's one of those sort of rhetorical questions. Verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James wants the inconsistency to stop. He says, when you're being inconsistent like this, you are not behaving like a person who really has experienced verse 18 in chapter 1. Remember I said, one of the ways to fully understand 
this letter is to never forget that verse. So let's go back because it's important. He says, of his own will, speaking of God, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. So James is saying, when you use your tongue in an inconsistent way like this, you are behaving like someone who has not experienced new birth. You are behaving like someone who has not experienced a new heart reality. You have not been transformed, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, stop. Remember, James is after real faith, faith that, that beautifully reflects that God has changed and transformed us from the inside out. And so he says it, it needs to stop. He wants them to behave in a consistent way. Now, the question we should ask is, he wants it to be stopped, but how is it going to happen? So he says, don't behave like this. So you need to stop. But how is it going to stop? Because notice what he says in verse 8 again. No human being can tame the tongue. So he says, don't behave like this. But then he says, you have something you cannot manage. See, the, the tongue is like a tsunami coming at us. It's actually too powerful for us. And so you've you got to ask, like, how are we going to do this? He says, no human being can tame the tongue, but I want you to notice something. He does not say no one can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue, he says. Not no one. What James is trying to do is he's trying to get us to see that you and me and that your friends, your coworkers, the people in our life, all of us when it comes to the tongue, the thing that we need is supernatural help. That's what he's trying to, he's trying to get you to that spot where you're like, you're kind of going, woe is me. I need supernatural help. And I want to tell you something beautiful. James says we need supernatural help. And here's the thing, Jesus knew it too. Jesus knew that we would be in this spot where, even though we are new, transformed, on our way to glory, all that sort of stuff, that we still are dealing with the, with the flesh and the, and the old habits that we have bought into. He knew that we would need supernatural help and then he made sure that we had it. John 16, I think, is what's next. Since I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, it's to your advantage. You're like, they're like, we, Jesus, we want you here all the time. He says, but it's to your advantage that I go away. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper. Who is the helper? If you know your Bible as well, it's the Holy Spirit. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to 
you. Jesus is seated on his throne right now and he will return, but he has sent the Holy Spirit who is with us every day living inside of us. And if we go to the Spirit for help, if we depend on the Spirit, do you know what he does? He fills us in new and fresh ways. We are anointed every day. And he gives us the power to be wise with our tongue. He gives us the power to control our tongue. And to bring it into submission. Again, not perfectly, but consistently. That's why Jesus says, he says you need the Spirit. And One of the things that we're actually going to do a series on the Holy Spirit after we, Lord willing, we have to say Lord willing because tomorrow is uncertain, but after we finish the letter of James, we're going to just spend time looking at the Holy Spirit because he's, he's sort of the person we forget in our life. How much we need the Spirit's help every single day. And Jesus says, I, I'm sending the Spirit and has sent the Spirit who is in us, regenerated us and gives us the power to live in good and wise ways and to be wise with our words. And so what I want to do right now is I want to put the plane on the ground by showing us how, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can be wise and careful with our words, all by the Spirit's help. Here's the first thing. We're being wise and careful with our tongue when we speak honestly. When we speak honestly, Proverbs 24, verses 26 says, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Honesty blesses people. So when we speak honestly. Number two, when when we speak gently and carefully, A gentle answer, Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, turns away anger. Listen to that. A gentle answer. Maybe things are tense in in your relationships, tense right now in your house. Well, the the scriptures say that a, a gentle answer, how you respond, can either calm things down or make things worse. A gentle answer turns away anger. But watch this. But a harsh word stirs up Wrath, the wrong word at the wrong time can make things worse. A little thing can do a big thing. Then this one, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Again, our words are powerful. Number three, We're being wise and careful with our tongue when we speak graciously. When we speak graciously, Proverbs 16, 21 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, ooh, and health. Listen to that, health to the body. Don't discount a word spoken at the right time, in the right ways, with the right level of gentleness and grace, how it could bless the person. The Bible says sweetness to the soul. Sometimes I don't think we like sit and just sort of listen and think deeply on what is being said to us. Health to 
the body. What you say could brighten a person's day if you just say the right thing at the right time. All with the Spirit's help. Number four, we're being wise and careful with our tongue when we speak intentionally. When we speak intentionally. So don't gossip. Proverbs 26 Verse 20 says, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Gossip, that person, we all sort of know them, stirring up trouble just because they just keep saying things they shouldn't say, spreading news they shouldn't spread. But without a gossip, conflict dies down. Don't slander. It's the next one. We speak intentionally when we, we don't slander. Proverbs 10, verse 18, whoever spreads slander is a fool. I, sometimes I just, I love how direct the Bible is. It's just like, I mean, you can't really, you can't argue with that one. Is a fool. I don't remember what the next one is, but I think there's another one. There it is. Don't flatter. Speak intentionally when we don't flatter. Proverbs 29, verse 25 Verse 5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. When you flatter people, you are setting them up for failure. I don't want anybody like that in my life. Andy's laughing in the back. No, you're putting a trap in my way. You better move on. You are setting them up for failure. Because why? You're not telling them the truth. You're telling them things that are just that not actually helpful to them. You're not bringing them into reality. You set a net for their feet. And then this one, don't just respond, listen, think, and then respond. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of a righteous person ponders how to answer. They think, they take a moment and think before they say something. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. When we just talk quickly, sin just starts to flow. It's all right, Sanjay, play it, play it. We're being wise and careful with our tongue when we speak sparingly. Speak sparingly, Proverbs 10, 9. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent, is wise. When we speak humbly, we all know that person that just can't stop talking about themselves. I'm great at this, I do this, my style is this way, I'm nice at this, blah, 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 blah. You just want that person to go away. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, let another praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. See, when we speak like this, people are built up. When we speak like this, people are encouraged. Again, a sweet word, they, their soul needs it. When we speak like this in all these ways, people are challenged. Sometimes we have to say an honest thing to a person because they need a hard word from us. And they're challenged to change and make, a, and make, a, make a, a different move in their life. And when we speak like this, people are discipled. Do you know everything you do is discipleship? 
And again, this is such a good word. I was thinking about this as a dad. Like the way I speak, when the boys watch me talk to Kim, I'm teaching them the ways to talk to a woman. When they hear me talk about my mother, I'm teaching them the ways to, to talk about their mother when they grow up. It's, but when we speak in a good, healthy way, we are discipling people saying, this is the way to, to speak. This is the way to use your tongue. This is the way to glorify God with this instrument. Again, all under the Spirit's help. Then this last one. We're being wise and careful with our tongue when we speak, knowing that glorification is coming. 1 John 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he, who's he? Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Yes. The battle with the tongue, this sort of civil war that we're sort of in the middle of, it's going to be over one day because we are going to be glorified. We are going to be made like Jesus Christ. The battle with the tongue one day will be over. Now, most of you know that my boys, they love hoops. You know, every morning right now, it's kind of a fight in the house because they just want to watch Sports Center and get all the updates and who scored what. And uh, sometimes we'll come to the, to the gym and we'll, we'll play. And we have this game it's, we play. It's called First to Five. First to Five. And so I'm playing one day. I think it was a Saturday. I'm playing with Riv. River, our middle guy. And so... You know, we get into the gym, and he has his ball. I got my ball, and, you know, I kind of step back and knocked it down. Just butter, clean through the net. Splash Brothers, that's, I'm one of those guys. Not really. Well, Riv takes a shot and, you know, shoots, and brick, misses it. So then I'm like, well, I start to feel nice. And so I take a shot, and I miss well, now Riv takes a shot and knocks it down. I'm like, ah, so it's 1-1. One, one. I take my shot, I miss. Now he takes his shot, so now it's 2-1. I take a shot, I miss. River takes a shot, 3-1. Now I'm getting a little nervous. And so then I take a shot and I miss. He takes a shot and like just straight in clean. So now it's 4-1. And now I'm really nervous. And so then I take a shot, hit it, 4-2. So now I'm feeling like confident again. Well, he sort of does this half dribble, turns, and just goes, and it's, I mean, he drains it. And I look over and he's doing one of these. flossing a little bit and he he beat me but do you know why he beat me because I underestimated him I looked over and I was like he's he's short he's small he hasn't been hooping as long as I have and he beat me and it was bad 
Now, the way I underestimated Rev, we should not underestimate our tongue. Because it is a small thing that can do big things. And when we underestimate it, there it is for us. The tongue is a small thing, but it can do big things. And when we underestimate it, we get ourselves in trouble. But when we are aware and listen to what the Word of God is saying to us about this small member in our body, it helps us to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit and to use our tongue in a Spirit-led way for the good of others, for our own good, and for the glory of our great God. The tongue is a small thing, but it can do big things. So let's use it in a Spirit-led way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that your word is very clear to us. When we open it, Lord, and we depend on the Spirit for help, it's hard to miss, oh God, what you are saying. And I pray, Lord, that we would have heard you today. I pray, Father, that you... Lord, would help us to take seriously your word. To see that there are ways that we can speak that really bless and help people. That there are ways that we can speak that can really be unhelpful. And so, Father, I, I pray that there would be a real sense of dependence on your spirit and all of us at all times when it comes to the tongue. This small thing, Lord, that can do great damage. This small thing, Lord, but that it can also do great things if we use it in the right ways. And so I pray for our church. I pray for myself, Lord God, personally in all this, that you would help us to realize that every day we need your supernatural help, the Holy Spirit to help us use our words and our tongue in a way that glorifies you, in a way that helps others, in a way that builds up, in a way that encourages, in a way that challenges other people. And so we pray that you would be glorified in the way we walk this week and the use of our tongue. And God, thank you that there is a day coming where we will experience glorification. God, thank you that we have a living hope, Jesus Christ, who will appear one day, and Lord, we will be like him. Help us to rest in our hope. Help us, Lord, to know that the battle won't be forever. And God, to trust you as we walk through what your word calls the valley of the shadow of death. Help us to lean on you. Help us to be wise, Lord, this week in what we say to those around us and even what we say to ourselves, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.